Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. This is your host, Will DeWitt. Today, we continue our Countdown to Camp series with a complete preview of the linebacker position, both inside and out. And for those who may not be keeping score at home, we are only 38 days away from the first practice of training camp. To help me break down the linebackers, I'm joined by two of my Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Will Ingles. Guys, we were just talking. We did this entire show already. We talked for an hour and 20 on all the linebackers on the Bears, but our recording software just did not work the first time through. We're going to do a plan B with some other software, but I know how your nights are going, but uh, you guys hanging in there with me? You bet. I, I had a strange case of deja vu just now. <laughs> really, 38 <laughs> days away from camp. I was like, where did I hear this? <laughs> no, I mean, you were saying in the previous podcast or recording that, uh, you know, this is the greatest hour of your week, and now we get to do it twice. You're right. You got me there, B. I mean, <laughs> woo. I mean, I mean, guys, uh, for those listening, I just want to say, you know, we care about you this much that we did this, we talked for an hour twenty. We might do this a little bit more condensed now. We actually tried. Uh, we actually did break down some film the first time through. Uh, unfortunately, doing it this way, there's no film to break down. Uh, but that said, I'm going to throw out my catchphrase here because. I'm running low on fumes, but we're going to kind of ramp up the energy here, guys. Uh, before we get started to breaking down these linebackers, let's briefly go talk about some Bears news worth mentioning uh, that happened out the past week. I know it's minicamp, uh, just ended a week ago, so we're kind of at that zero news point of the offseason. But, Will, you want to talk about hashtag Coach Forte? Coach Forte coming right at you. Um, DeMarcus Ware was recently announced as uh, a part-time coach. He'll come in a couple days a week to help out the pass rushers in Denver. And Forte saw this uh, becoming official, and he said, hey, I could do this. And, uh, you know, if there's someone who feels like who might have been slighted by the Bears since Ryan Pace has been a GM, I mean, you could try to really make an argument for Alshon Jeffrey, but you'd really have to work hard at that. It feels like Matt Forte kind of got a raw deal. He really wanted to play for the Bears. He made no bones about it. Was very public about that. And Ryan Pace was, you know, he did he didn't try to be deceptive. He said we just we just are moving on. And it didn't feel like that was the right way for Matt Forte's tenure here to end. It would be really cool to see him back as a part time head. Sorry, as a part time coach, even if it's just a couple of days a week, even if it's a very minor role. Be great to see him back in the organization, a la kind of how Zach Miller is being transitioned over. All right, yeah, so that's some good stuff there, Will. And, you know, I have a few to share with myself just real quick. You know, all these Bears, now that it's between 
mini camp and training camp, uh, they're doing some stuff in the community. Like Trubisky, he's conducting his first football camp where he grew up in Mentor, Ohio. Uh, he's joined by Mike Burton and Cody White here, otherwise known as Trubisky's best friend. Uh, Tariq Cohen, he just donated some new PE equipment to Hampton Elementary in Greensboro, North Carolina. It's a school that was severely damaged from a tornado. So another, another classy move by a bear. Uh, Sam Macho and former bear Jason McKee, uh, they're out planting trees for Save the Planet, uh, some fundraising and some earth activities that the bears kind of run. And in two days, Friday, June 15th, we're going to get to see the brand new orange jerseys for the first time. We're going to tell you our thoughts about those on next week's podcast. So yeah, not a lot of football related news this week. But with some time off between minicamp and training camp, it's always great to see our players being active in the community. And I just wanted to share that with you all. All right, guys, are you ready to begin the linebacker breakdown for the second time tonight? First time for our listeners? Let's get it. Let's do it. All right, so let's get it, and let's begin inside. And I like to break down the players at each position into segments. And I want to begin with what I'm going to call the main three at inside linebacker, those being Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, and Nick Kwiatkowski. And I'm going to go ahead and introduce the players, tell you a little bit about them, some stats, a little bit of a background. Will's going to talk a little bit more about what they do well uh, from what he saw on the tape that we're unfortunately unable to break down this time by. Uh, Will does play linebacker for uh, Augustana College, so he does know what he's talking about in this regard. So let's go ahead and begin with Danny Trevathan. He's entering his third season as a Bear, uh, but he's only been available for about 65 how personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it percent of those games over those first two seasons so obviously he has durability concerns uh, but when healthy and on the field he's a real solid inside linebacker who plays with tenacity gives the defense energy and a fun fact all five of the bears wins last year came in games in which trevathan was playing and just doing some math shows you trevathan's impact on defense with him on the field last season the bears gave up 307 yards per game and 18.3 points per game when he was off the field, both of those stats rose dramatically. Uh, the yards given up rose 50 from 307 to 353. And the points per game rose about an extra touchdown more per game without him, all the way up to 25.3 points per game given up. So obviously the Bears are much better when number 59 is on the field. Danny Trevathan did say during OTAs that he's right where he needs to be health-wise, which is an encouraging sign for Bears fans. And Fangio talked about it as well. When healthy, he's a linebacker who's great in space. He can close in a hurry. And before I get too far ahead of myself, Will, I want to hand it over to you. What does Danny, Danny Trevathan do so well? And if he's healthy this season, what can he do to make this Bears defense take it to the next step? When you look at Danny Trevathan, he's a guy who is very good at the snap of the ball. He does not get himself beat in his read. And what I mean by that is he's always taking positive steps forward, whether that's to his gap or whether that's into his pass coverage. He knows how to mirror back and he knows how to keep a really good relationship between the running back and himself. That helps him make a lot of plays, whether that's closing in on a tackle uh, and whether that's he, there's one particular play. I'll try to describe it briefly for you where he lines up outside and he has to close in on the running back. It's not particularly where his gap is, but he knows when to just trigger down at a running back instead of just playing his gap, 
kind of being, you know, a boneheaded football player that's saying, I have to just close my gap. He goes right for the running back instead. He's very heady in that way and being able to, at times, recognize that he doesn't need to play his gap and play the running back instead. He's patient when he needs to be. He lets plays develop. There's another play that we were mentioning that we were going to break down where a puller comes towards him and he's just fine with making up some positive steps towards the line of scrimmage. And then when the puller makes himself like when he can see the puller, he then takes those like those strong three steps, meets him in the hole and the running back is forced to go right into Akeem Hicks. He's patient. He makes he doesn't always make the tackle and, you know, get the tick on the stat sheet. But he's a player who will make plays for the other people on the defense. Not a guy that's always going to be really loud on a stat sheet, but a guy who really makes that Bears defense tick. Yeah, and I just want to highlight an underrated part of his game, at least in my opinion, and that's going to be his coverage. He's really good at reading quarterbacks' eyes. He has instincts. He knows where the ball is going to be going. He can stick to his man, flip those hips, and run and stay stride to stride when he's in man-to-man coverage. Uh, he has nine pass breakups and one interception throughout his time in Chicago. Uh, but, B, I want to hand it over to you, and I want to kind of take this conversation a little bit differently. I want to talk about his leadership because – over his past two seasons, it's been kind of Darrell Freeman uh, being the lead linebacker. I know Darrell didn't see the field uh, last season, so that kind of took a dip, but he was still brought in to be that leader, that uh, veteran role model for those young guys to look up to. But now that's Trevathan. That's his job from this point forward. Uh, so how important is it going to be for him to step into that leadership role, especially with some young linebackers, two rookies at the position? Oh, it's going to be huge because – like you talked about, when he's not on the field, there's a, a touchdown difference. Uh, and we've seen that kind of when it was John Timu and uh, Christian Jones at uh, inside linebacker. Christian Jones was calling the play. The defense was typically kind of, I don't want to say confused, but they weren't really all there where they needed to be. Uh, they were giving up bigger plays than uh, if Danger Faith were out there making the calls, uh, making the right reads, uh, making positive steps. Uh, so not only does he need to be able to be that that vocal leader on the field, but he needs to be able to uh, perform and be a leader by example as well. But I think overall the, the vocalness uh, that he's going to bring is going to speak, uh, pun intended, speak more volumes uh, than what is he's going to do because he's already a very solid player out there. He just needs to be able to uh, be more vocal out on the field and make sure that guys are in exactly where they need to be and that touchdown difference is going to go away as long as he's on the field. Yeah, yeah, good stuff there, B. I like the pun. Uh, Will, I want to go right back to you. How can Trevathan maybe take the next step? You talked about some things he does well, but is there an area of his game that you'd like to see him improve, or does he simply just need to put together a full healthy season and actually be available week in, week out? I kind of want to echo what Brandon was saying with leadership earlier, and I and it's and it's not exactly his style. I think he's very much a leader in the locker room, in the film room, a guy who a lot of times lets his actions speak for him. And those actions, like Brandon said, he's a very good player. A lot of times, you know, speak volumes. But the problem is, to, this is a team that really needs a vocal leader, and I think Akeem Hicks does that for the defensive line. I think Kyle Fuller, to some extent, does that for the secondary, but I don't feel like there's a vocal leader for the defense, and there definitely isn't one for the linebackers at this point in time. And the Bears really need Trevathan, whether that's his personality or not, to step up and be a kind of vocal leader for that entire defense, but especially for the linebackers. And that's honestly what I would say needs to be his biggest change and biggest improvement from last year to this year. It's not enough for him to be just a good player. It's not enough for him just to be where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there. He's got to also bring a leadership quality that isn't just in the film room. It's got to be present on game day, and it's got to be loud like we want that defense to be like the old monsters of the midway. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good stuff there. Let's move on to Nick Kwiatkowski. He's a former fourth-round pick, and just like Trevathan, he's entering his third season here in Chicago. And just like Danny as well, he also has some durability issues. And I want to talk about Kwiatkowski next because he's still technically the starter, but I think we can all agree that he's not going to get too far into training camp before he has to hand over that spot to Roquan Smith, who we're going to get to in just a moment. In his first two years, Kwiatkowski has compiled 66 tackles, two forced fumbles, and four passes defensed. Well, on a previous episode, I remember you were uh, talking about Kwiatkowski and you talked about how he's a liability in coverage. And you were watching tape in advance of this episode. Heck, we just broke down the film like an hour and a half ago on him. Um, and you talked about a few things that you see on film that kind of jump out as like, oh, I don't know if I want to see that. You know, nothing maybe overly glaring, but just some small things on tape that show why maybe uh, the Bears wanted to upgrade this position with a Roquan Smith. So you want to briefly walk us through some of those literal missteps? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when we're talk, I talked about Trevathan earlier, and I said he's someone who doesn't get himself beat as the play's developing. And as you know, it's a very common phrase: football is a game of inches, and that those inches are a lot of times piled up in your first steps. Linebackers call them read steps. The problem with Nick Kwiatkowski is you want to take positive six-inch steps towards the line of scrimmage, and and Kwiatkowski really struggles to do that. We have in the two plays that I had picked out and that we broke down earlier. He takes negative steps, uh, you know, away from his relationship with the running back. So whereas Trevathan closes that space and forces the running back either to run into him or to another one of his teammates, Kwiatkowski sometimes creates more space or do- and doesn't, you know, close down his gap, which allows the running back to have more space and obviously get more yardage. The main problem with not closing in on the line of scrimmage is that if there's a blocker who's coming to meet you, the very best you can do if you don't take your read steps, because more or less you will line up about five yards behind the line of scrimmage as a linebacker. If you don't take positive six and steps forward, you're either meeting a blocker at five yards into uh, five yards deep or, you know, or you're meeting the running back or a blocker. That's not what you want, because at best they get a five yard gain. If, if you're an offense, you love a five yard gain, you stay on schedule. So when you have those negative steps, it's really hard to make plays in the backfield. And you just don't see Kwiatkowski trigger down towards the line of scrimmage like you would want to from linebackers, especially when they recognize a run, and especially when you see a wide-open hole with the running back and a quarterback in a full mesh. That's, that's As a linebacker, you should be salivating. You should want to hit that hole every time. Yeah, no, good stuff there. I, I wish we had the film to break down again, but we kind of lost the video element here tonight. Thank you, YouTube. But uh, let's go over to Brandon. Let's talk about a positive for Kwiatkowski because, you know, Will uh, was mentioning a few things like the negatives. What's uh, what's something that you like from his game? I like that he's willing to sacrifice his body, especially we see like the, the A-gap blitzes uh, when him and Trevathan would do it uh, a couple times throughout the year. Uh, Kwiatkowski's not afraid to hit the offensive lineman as hard as he can if that means getting Trevathan in there or vice versa. If Trevathan's going first, Kukoski would just absolutely love to fly in there, be able to get the sack or the tackle for a loss, whatever the, the case may be. So he, he's good when he's got a, a specific uh, task at hand, whether he as much as I'm going to say, you know, he, he's a liability in coverage, but when he knows he has to be in coverage. He takes, I think the more positive steps that way. But if he's going, if he knows he has to go in on an a gap blitz, He's going to take that positive step there. If he's got too much going on, that's where the the weakness is that uh, Will was talking about. Uh, but I, when he's got a a set task, for example, I have the a gap blitz. 
he's willing to do anything it takes to be able to get in the backfield, whether it's setting up Danger Trevathan or he's the one going in there getting the tackle for a loss or the sack. Yeah, good stuff there, B. Let's move on to Roquan Smith. You know, he's the number eight overall pick this year. I mean, he's eager to make his impact. Uh, Danny Trevathan, he recently said that Smith is, quote, the right guy to fit our... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Defense. We talked a lot about Roquan ever since he was drafted back in April. And, you know, even before during our mock drafts, you know, some of us had the Bears picking him. Yes, I'm going to toot my own horn there. But (laughs) we've explained that his instincts, his speed, his smarts are all reasons to be excited about this young linebacker. Will, I want to know, what makes Roquan Smith what Danny Trevathan called, quote, the right guy? And why will he, as Fangio would say, earn his stripes and win a starting spot and also boost this defense? Well, for me, when I look at uh, plays from Roquan Smith is that he has had success against every type of play an offense can throw at him. He especially excels, of course, when the offense decides to go sideline to sideline, whether that's a pitch, whether that's you know a quick screen to the outside. His closing speed from the middle of the field to the sideline is phenomenal. He's really good at recognizing screens. He's also shown that he can get off of blocks from much from linemen who are much larger than himself. Obviously, that is a huge critique for him as he goes to the NFL. Is will he still be able to get by large linemen who are perhaps more disciplined than those at the college level? But he has still proven that he is able to get around blocks at that point. He's also proven to be willing to put his nose in the A gap. If there is a dive, he has not been afraid to go up and make really strong contact. He brings a thump when he gets there. His pass coverage has been phenomenal. We mentioned that closing speed from sideline to sideline. That also manifests itself when he's in pass coverage as well. He does everything well. And when you're a linebacker, you ultimately can have like four sets of responsibilities at a time. If it's just a straight ahead run, you got to play your run gap. If it's a uh, play where you have an insert or pulling lineman, that changes your responsibility because someone's gap has disappeared and it is a lineman moving across the line of scrimmage. You have to adjust accordingly as a linebacker. If it's a pass, you have another set of responsibilities. And if it's a toss to the other side, your gap is moving at a rate that you aren't normally expecting it to move. So you have to adjust with that as well. Your gap may become irrelevant if two linemen aren't good at spacing themselves out and you have to move over and scrape another gap over. And the thing with Roquan Smith is that he adjusts between the sets of responsibilities seamlessly, and he makes plays while adjusting through all these things. He has it all together up in his head, and he has been able to execute plays uh, on his with his feet as well, and also bringing a nasty hit when he gets there. He's shown he can do it all. Now it's just doing it at the NFL level. It's it, He hasn't had really a pronounced weakness in his game, and Will, I think you'll mention a quote later from Roquan Smith uh, during mini camps and OTAs that really echoes that. Yeah, actually, I was going to get right there. You know, I was going to ask Brandon here for his biggest challenge, but before I do, uh, you know, Roquan Smith, he was asked during OTAs, like, hey, like, what is going to be uh, the – 
issue that you're going to have the most with transitioning from the SEC over to the, you know, the professional level? Like what's going to be your learning curve? What are you going to find yourself struggling with? And he was very confident and pretty much said like, you know, I don't expect this to be a difficult transition whatsoever. Um, I, and, you know, just hearing those words, you can see the confidence that Roquan Smith has and he believes that he's going to be able to adjust to the NFL rather seamlessly, which I think when we all can agree that, when your top 10 pick, your first overall pick in the draft comes and he's fully confident, that's everything you want to hear from this guy, especially so early into his career. We haven't even started training camp yet, but Will, everything you did mention in terms of like all his strengths, the things that he brings to the table, I can't wait to get to training camp to see it in action, see it live, up close in person. It's going to be a lot of fun. But B, I know you have a, a different challenge for him adjusting to the NFL. What do you think that's going to be? Yeah, it's something that he really can't even control, which is hard to deal with. But it depends how much he listens to the critics, and that's just going to be his size. Uh, they, you know, he's quote unquote undersized. Although I don't think it bothers too many people being undersized at certain positions. I'm not sure that it's going to necessarily bother him. He seems like a smart enough guy that's not going to bother him. But anyway, if he's listening to the critics, it's going to be his size uh, that he's undersized. He's not going to be able to shed the blocks uh, like Will was talking about earlier. So if he really wants to go out and prove people wrong, then he really needs to hit the weight room to be able to land a good first punch. Uh, could work on hand techniques, be able to shed these blocks. But the biggest knock on him is, is that he's he's undersized. And that's something he can't really control. So if he really wants to be able to prove people wrong and shed blocks effectively and well right away, I think hitting the weight room, uh, being able to outmuscle some of these guys uh, is really going to pay off for him. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about the defensive line next week, but just how much they can you know, absorb blocks, take those, or it's going to help him tremendously if they're able to do that. But again, we'll talk about them and their responsibility in just a short week. But up next, we're going to talk about the other three inside linebackers currently on the Bears roster. But first, I need to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers have the SeatGeek apps on our phones, and it's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. Personally, I can be anywhere, and just with a few taps, instantly find some seats. I was actually just looking at SeatGeek to look into tickets to the Hall of Fame game, which, by the way, is only 50 days away. And we're going to be there to watch Coach Nagy on the sidelines for the first time as the Chicago Bears head coach. And honestly, you should too. We'd love to meet you there, additionally. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever, and to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And the best of all, our listeners get $20 off that first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code BEARS today, that's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Alrighty, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined by two Bears Brothers. I have Brandon Hazlett. I have Will Ingles. And we're going to continue our preview of the inside linebackers. And we're now going to discuss the remaining guys on the roster inside. That being John Timu, Joel Iebuniwe, and recently added Josh Woods. And we'll start off with John Timu. As you know, he, was, he came in as an undrafted free agent back in 2015. Last year, Timu, he recorded 16 tackles, 12 solo, one pass defense in 11 games, and he was pretty much playing a special teams role. 
Uh, over the offseason, he signed a one-year deal worth 750 k And Brandon, is there anything else that you maybe want to add about John Timu? I mentioned it in the last show. I'm going to mention it again in the second recording. I think we know what we have here in John Timu. Oh, yeah. I mean, what you see is what you get. He's a, a CC-plus uh, grade type of type of linebacker. He's smart. Uh, and he's reliable. Uh, but I think we've seen kind of the best of him. If he improves his athleticism, I think he can kind of sort of take the next step. Uh, but he's, I mean, what you see is what you get with John Timu. Yeah, exactly. So just to keep this brief, we're going to go ahead right on to Ie uh, Buniwe, otherwise known as Iggy. And I will admit, uh, doing the show back-to-back uh, definitely helps with the name pronunciation there. But uh, Iggy, he was a fourth-round pick out of Western Kentucky. You know, when you look at him, he's an explosive playmaker. He does lack a little bit of his size. Uh, but he was super productive in college, right, with those 181 tackles, five-and-a-half sacks, and three-fourths fumbled. He has range. He plays instinctively. He's been touted for his smarts, and he's a downhill thumper. In college, he had to work his way up from a special teams a contributor to starter, and he's going to be following the same path here in Chicago. Will, I want to know, what are some things to watch from Iggy in camp when he's playing on defense? You know, they talked about the Bears have his special teams prowess a ton, but what are maybe a couple of signs that he's adjusting and fitting inside of an NFL defense? When... When looking at a linebacker, I always consider their comfort level in the defense uh, pretty is pretty equivalent to how often they're willing to take a shot, you know, towards the line of scrimmage, willing to shoot gaps. Because even if you're wrong, you don't shoot a gap unless you're confident that you're going to the right spot. Because as a linebacker, if you're staying like you know back and not really taking a lot of steps to one way or the other, you're not taking yourself out of the play. You're like I said with Kwiatkowski, you're not putting yourself in a position to make a great play, but you're not exactly taking yourself out of the play. When you're willing to really lay on the gas and and go after uh, go after the line of scrimmage, shoot a gap, so on and so forth, go and meet a lineman or a fit or an insert. That's when I really can tell that someone is feeling comfortable in a defense is when they're willing to really shoot a gap. And and that's what I think will be his comfort level. We know that he's going to be a solid special teams contributor. His speed is really what stands out to me on film. Of course, he brings a little nasty when he gets there to make the hit. But I think that speed is really uh, evident. It's just going to be whether he gets to the places he needs to be, you know, on time because he doesn't have the size to really maneuver alignment out of position if he beats him to the spot beats him to the block he needs to be there he needs to be very disciplined with the steps and get to get to his gap and get to his assignment before the lineman gets there sure well I'll follow up for you uh what is like what are the chances that he can become like the pre- preliminary backup uh, behind like a uh, Danny Trevathan and a Roquan Smith this year and I think it's a decent chance uh like I said, it all comes down to his confidence level. You have, uh, obviously, Kwiatkowski has left the door open to some extent because he was kind of the main backup his rookie year. And then Christian Jones kind of took that spot from him in 2017. I think he has left that door open again for the 2018 season. And I think Iggy has those raw athletic traits if he can get comfortable with the defense and Fangio's system. I think it's very possible that he's the number three overall inside linebacker heading into the season. All right, let's move on to Josh Woods. He was a defensive back at Maryland. Oh, and now he's a turn linebacker. The Bears just brought him in as like a safety backer, kind of like hybrid. Uh, last year at Maryland, he had 62 tackles. Uh, yeah, four and a half of them for a loss, two interceptions. Obviously, he proves enough to get a contract at minicamp. And when I get to training camp, I think it's going to be interesting to see exactly what the Bears have him doing, where he's lining up, what his responsibilities are on defense. 
And in the last recording of this episode, I said this is pretty much a camp body. But, Will, you told me to pump the brakes a little bit. You care to explain why? This is a guy, and I, and I say that because this is a guy who is uh, a lot of upside and a guy who is trending in the right direction. When you look at his career path in Maryland, his first, his freshman year, he barely got on the field. His sophomore year, he has uh, he plays, I want to say, five games at safety or something along those lines. And his junior year, like you said, his stat line there, massive improvement every single year. And the Bears obviously saw that upside and that trending upward in a player uh, at minicamp, and they are willing to sign him. Uh, is he a long shot to make the roster? Absolutely. But we also said that about people like Cameron Meredith and Bryce Callahan back in 2015, and they have solid NFL roles today. So while it's definitely a long shot, definitely don't count them out because I like that pace bets on guys that are trending upwards in their career. It's definitely it's definitely harder to stop. Um, it's definitely harder to stop someone trending downward than it is to bet on someone who's skyrocketing upwards in their production and their NFL career. Yeah, good stuff there. So, guys, when I take a look back at previous seasons under Fangio, looking at the Bears' 53-man roster, uh, the Bears typically retain four inside backers on that active roster. So, obviously, Trevathan and Smith are going to be making the team. And Kwiatkowski, he's a lock as well. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I know, Will, you're a little bit harsh on him. But uh, that just leaves me. Yeah, you. <laughs> that just leaves one more spot, guys, between John Timu, Iggy, and, of course, Woods. And honestly, I talked about it in the last recording. I'll talk about it again. The more I think about it, uh, Iggy's in because they're not going to put him on the practice squad being a fourth-round pick, which kind of pushes John Timu out. Do you guys agree with this? Because, honestly, on the surface, it doesn't seem like a difficult decision on paper, at least. No, if you're telling me there's only four guys to pick, I definitely would take that exact uh, proposed option with Trevathan, Smith, um, Iggy, and then um, who's our third guy? Uh, Kwiatkowski. Uh, Those are definitely, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who, me? Um, Yeah, but those are definitely the top four that you're going to take. um, If you're just restricting it to four, those are the top four guys within the inside linebacker position, unless you were to flip who's inside and who's outside. And let's just, you know, rip the Band-Aid off. And we're going to dive in. It's the middle of June, so it's the perfect time to dive into hypotheticals. Some fans have mentioned it. The Bears said they haven't touched about it. I know the media has inquired about this. But what are the chances that the Bears take a look at Kukowski on the outside, especially if Roquan Smith uh, takes over the starting role immediately come training camp? Then you have an entire, you know, training camp preseason to kind of experiment with Kukowski on the outside, especially if you're trying to retain the best guys in your roster and you want to keep a guy like John Timu around for uh, special teams purposes, uh, B, would it be something you would be uh, intrigued by and why so? It would be something that I'd be intrigued by. It wasn't really something that I, I thought about prior to the first recording. Um, however, I, I also wouldn't rule out putting Iggy on the outside as well because like you guys talked about, he's athletic, he's rangy, he's got really good speed, he's just a very, very good athlete, and I think that suits uh, him better to be able to go after the quarterback i know he doesn't necessarily have the the career sack numbers uh, that you'd look for in a pass rusher uh i mean he's got 181 tackles only like five and a half sacks i think is what you said so i mean the sack production isn't there but i think it's a a position in a 3-4 defense that could fit a guy like iggy who's athletic uh he's i almost want to compare him to leonard floyd as far as type of of playing style, flexible, athletic, very good, speedy, rangy. I think he could set an edge if you uh, coach him up right. I think that you know he would be a viable option to have at the outside. 
Yeah. It, again, though, I mean, we can talk about this. Uh, we've already talked by so much tonight, <laughs> but it's. I think the Bears really see him as a Trevathan replacement down the road. So I don't know if they want to hinder that development just to move him out. And uh, if Kwiatkowski is continuing to struggle, uh, Will, you said in the last show, there's some things you think he would have picked up on already uh, at the professional level that he just hasn't yet. But let's look at him in terms of an edge player. Uh, what traits does he have that would work well over there? For me, when I look at uh, Nick Kwiatkowski is when you when he get him going forward. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. He really brings a good pop when he gets there. And there was a specific clip. He has a strip sack against Detroit uh, for the game at Soldier Field where they kind of send him as a bit of a joker linebacker, you know, blitz off the outside. It's a five-man pressure, so it's not what he would normally be getting in regards to um, a blocking scheme from the outside linebacker spot. But when he when he does get blitzed, he ends up with a one on one on the running back. And I do like his instincts in the fact that he doesn't try to put a funny move on him because the running back decides to set up camp one yard in front of Matthew Stafford. And Kwiatkowski has a full head of steam. He puts his shoulder down. He knocks the running back into Matthew Stafford, disrupts his rhythm. And then Kwiatkowski uh, creates the strip sack. Very good uh, discipline. You know, Brandon mentioned it in the first show, demonstrating some good old peanut punch that we have enjoyed for so many years. Creates a strip sack, and uh, the Bears get the ball at about midfield, and I know they score in some capacity on that next drive. And I think that's a lot of what you can get out of Kwiatkowski. And if we go on this proposed scenario where he knows a little bit of inside linebacker and outside backer, the nice thing about outside backer is that there's not as much to learn as there is inside. Inside, like I said, you can have four sets of assignments essentially for every single play, depending on what happens. And that doesn't take into account, you know, whether there's a blitz going on or whether there's a stunt or whether an or formation that they're in and all the checks that you do to each formation and what plays you can get out of them. Outside, you you have you have a few less responsibilities you have to worry about because outside, you know, you can stunt, you can uh, be set, you have to set the edge, maybe you can either pin your ears back and pass rush or you drop into coverage. I mean, you essentially have four assignments no matter what, and and those don't really have a lot of change in them. So when it comes to learning another position, I think that's something Kwiatkowski can do. And if you're in, putting him in a position where you say, pin your ears back and go get that QB, I think that's a position he'll succeed in. And it's something that he's shown when you send him in the A-gap blitzes, like Brandon said earlier. And he's also proven to be able to do it from the outside as well. Yeah, good stuff there, guys, especially on uh, Kwiatkowski on the outside. Again, that's total hypothetical, hypothetical right now. We don't know if the Bears would even give him a look at training camp, but they're trying to get the best guys on the roster, and especially if he loses a starting job early, uh, maybe it's something that the Bears would definitely look into. All right, guys, so before we move on to the outside linebackers, this is something we didn't do in the first one. I just want to kind of change things up a little bit, uh, put a spark, but it's going to be a brief one. Uh, I want you guys to give me a number, scale 1 to 10, how confident – are you in the inside linebackers? Uh, let's do it, you know, in, injury-free. So, like, if these guys healthy, what's your confidence level? Scale 1 to 10. Let's go to Brandon first. 9. Hands down, it's a 9. What about you, Will? 
Man, he stole my number nine as well. I mean, I was going to go on decimal system there, but going to start going like nine and a half. But no, nine is probably the right number there. Wow, good as gold. I had nine as well, which is crazy. I'm not making that up. So that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think you know there's always going to be a little bit of a speculation with a rookie, uh, but with Roquan Smith. But even then, you just everything that he's been able to bring to the table, everything you see on tape, everything you've heard about him, it just seems like he's going to be able to transition to the Bears to this defense pretty flawlessly. So it's very exciting. And of course, uh, Danny Trevathan, those two together should definitely help uh, benefit one another and uh, just take their games respectively to the next level. All right, so that's going to wrap up our discussion on the inside linebackers. So let's go ahead and bounce outside. But before we do, I want to remind you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our goal by week one is to have 3,500 subscribers on that channel. We're only like 700 away, so make sure to subscribe to help us out. And the best way uh, to do that is to definitely go either on the YouTube app on your phone, uh, to check out YouTube on your desktop. Either way, just hit the subscribe button, help us out. And, of course, by doing so, uh, you're going to be able to keep up with us so much better, uh, especially with all of our live shows in season. Last year, we averaged about four to five shows a week, uh, including our postgame show that immediately follows every single Chicago Bears game. But, guys, we just finished talking about the inside linebackers, and we expressed that we're fairly confident. We all gave it a nine for that position. But let's switch our focus outside. And as we do, uh, real quickly, my confidence level is starting to dip, and I mean severely. And I, we found out on the last recording that I'm not the only one here, right? You're right. You are correct, sir. Awesome. That's $200 if, if we're playing, like, what, Will Fortune, Jeopardy, whatever game show you want to throw in there, <laughs> Family Feud. Um, but Vic Fangio did say of the outside linebacking group, and I quote, there's a little bit of a question there of depth and depth quality. Not the ringing endorsement you want to hear from Vic Fangio regarding his outside linebackers. But, guys, seriously, it's quite concerning that we only have one clear-cut starter at the position, and that being Leonard Floyd. Uh, he does have legitimate durability concerns surrounding him. So I want to begin our outside discussion uh, with the players who are returning from a season ago. Uh, those players, by the way, they only account for 7.5 of the team's 42 sacks last year. So surely the hope is for the position to account for a higher percentage here in 2018. Of course, we lost a few sacks with Willie Young, Pernod McPhee, uh, but you guys definitely get the picture. So let's begin with Leonard Floyd, who should be, quote, ready to go at the start of training camp. He's the number one guy, and the Bears really need him to do something he hasn't before, put together a full season. In his 22 career games, Floyd has 11 and a half sacks, two safeties, 47 tackles, and four passes defense. Uh, Will, you mentioned in the last recording that you saw his explosiveness kind of take a dip um, from his rookie year to the sophomore season. And I want to know, you know, coming off of those MCL, PCL sprains in that knee, uh, are you slightly uh, worried about his explosiveness this season? Yeah, I, I definitely uh, have some concern going into this year about whether or not he ca- he returns to that explosive form from his rookie year. Main point being, you can you can try to chalk it up to it being a motor problem in 2017. You know, maybe he was gassed. The offense, you know, didn't exactly help him out with giving him a spell on the sideline. Teams often got to go on long drives against the Chicago Bears. Uh, Floyd very rarely got off the field when he was healthy. So, I mean, yes, maybe he was tired. Maybe his motor was running out. But now you have an injury to contend with as well. And, and that's a lot to bounce back from. Because explosion is a thing that you don't get back as an NFL player. And explosion is a thing that you only have for so long. 
And, and it makes you unique as an NFL player, and it makes you unique as an edge prospect is that explosion. I mean, that's what made Harold Landry such an interesting prospect in this draft is that, you know, he had a really explosive, you know, dart off the edge. He wasn't good at much else, you know, which is another debate for another day. But if you're if you lose that explosiveness as an edge player, you're in a lot of trouble because don't get me wrong. Floyd put on some weight and he was able to hold the edge better this season. But he's in there because he knows how to get after the quarterback. And that's why he was drafted in the first round in 2016. You, that's why he's on the team. And if he loses that explosive aspect, the Bears are really in trouble. Because as we continue to go down the depth chart here on the roster at outside linebacker, the people who really have the ability to get after the passer on a consistent basis with a variety of pass rush moves, it gets really bad. I think that's an understatement. I think that's putting it nicely, actually. It gets. It I gets used re- all my meanness on Kwiatkowski. You did, and we've done it <laughs> twice now. So I, I, can't I know, even... right? I'm really burning out. I need that Fangio fire. Yeah, we haven't even brought up hashtag Fangio fire yet uh, in this one. So, uh, Brandon, that's all you. But, uh, Will, I wanted to take something that you mentioned at the end of the last recording about uh, Floyd and his explosiveness. And you mentioned that maybe he lost a little bit uh, because he was tired because he's running all over the field because he's so good in coverage. Uh, they have him playing that a fairly a, a decent amount. Uh, so, you know, something that we have to keep in mind, of course, when looking at his explosiveness. Um, but you did have a couple... Uh, plays that you broke down, of course, uh, we can't do the film this time by, um, but do you want to explain uh, just like the main takeaways from those plays? So I broke down a sack that he had this season against the uh, Minnesota Vikings, the uh, safety that he had against them uh, with Sam Bradford, Mr. I have 80 year old knees. And then I broke down his first sack of his career against the Houston Texans week one of 2016. And the difference between those two plays is that Floyd mixes everything that he's good at in that 2016 sack. He sets him out. He sets up his tackle with an outside move and then he meets him with his hands. Uh, Floyd's hands. He has really good inside hand placement because the tackle tries to hold on to him, but he has nothing to hold on to because Floyd wins the hand battle at the start of the play. And then he uses his speed to break out and around the tackle. And then he runs in and tries to end Brock Osweiler's Osweiler's life. His career would have thanked him for it, but unfortunately Brock Osweiler lived on. Um, But then you go to the Vikings. uh, Then you go to the Vikings game. And the difference is, is that Floyd gets that really strong first punch in, but then he really struggles to follow it up with anything. He goes with a really weak swim move after that. And he does get around the tackle, but he gets looped around almost through the end zone. And mind you, the play starts at about the Vikings five yard line. So he gets ran around almost 10 to 15 yards. And if it isn't for Sam Bradford wanting to set up camp in the end zone for another two years, you know, Floyd doesn't get there in time. And, and, and that's just the difference is that Floyd didn't combine everything that made him a phenomenal player or a phenomenal athlete and a phenomenal prospect coming out of Georgia. And he really needs to do that to become a really good pass rusher. I mean, a pass rusher is really defined by how many moves he can throw at someone, you know, the best ones. You know, DeMarcus Ware didn't just have one move. You know, Dwight Freeney, though he was known for his spin move, had other moves as well. You know, you don't become a great pass rusher in the NFL unless you combine a little bit of everything. And that's what Floyd really needs to get back to doing if you want to see that explosiveness you saw in his rookie campaign where he, I want to say, on a, he had a lot of good uh, games towards the end of that year before he got injured again. So I think you really need to see that combination of, of all of his talents before we really see a return to form for Leonard Floyd. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, despite the lack of maybe of explosiveness, he did, at least according to PFF, uh, he did have a pressure rate of 13.8% last year, which was the eighth best in the NFL. Brandon, when you're looking at Leonard Floyd, of course, I think staying on the field, uh, maybe putting together a full season, especially now that he's the number one guy, uh, should be priority number one. But uh, what else can he do to have a quote-unquote successful season? He needs to get the, the hashtag Fangio fire, there it is, uh, back <laughs> under him. Because, I mean, we can sit here and, and question his motor or something that I think I initially brought up in the first recording. Uh, and you look at some of the plays like the one that, that Will broke down in the first recording, which I wish you guys could see. Um, and it, it doesn't look like in the in the Vikings one that his, his motor is really all that, you know, like it's all there. He makes that first initial move, then he has to run the 10, 15 yards and sack you know, Sam Bradford, who has 80-year-old knees. Um, and then you look at him in the in the 2016 game, I mean, he's he's after it. He, he wins the hand placement, wins the battle of attack, sacks Brock, Brock Osweiler. Uh, but let's not forget that after that 2016 season, he had seven sacks, and, Will, you brought up the, the point of outside linebackers only account for a small percentage of the 42 sacks that the team had. So they know that, you know, I, that tells me that they didn't respect Pranamic Fee as I don't think they should have. And they didn't give Willie Young quite the respect that he uh, deserved either, leaving Leonard Floyd really the only outside linebacker they have to key on. You know, so he's out there for a large percentage of the snaps because Vic Fangio knows that he has to be on the field. And if he if his motor isn't necessarily all the way there either, I mean, that that's what leads to. Uh, the first three games of the 2017 season going without a sack and then a half a sack in the last three games that he played in 2017. So it's it's really a combination of things, uh, but he needs to get the Fangio fire uh, back under him, and I think that's really going to bring out the best of him. Yeah, I just want to clarify, too, uh, the 7 out of 42 sacks is just for the three guys uh, who we're mentioning here who returned from a season to go at the position. I know uh, Young and McPhee had, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know they definitely oh, okay. held their fair share, uh, held their end of the bargain uh, I should say, in terms of that. But, guys, let's move on to Sam Acho. You know, Acho, Acho, man. But he's entering his fourth season in Chicago at 29. He is the oldest and most tenured outside linebacker on the roster. Last season, he had his first multi-sack year since 2012. Uh, he notched three sacks. Acho has been a solid but not flashy outside linebacker for the Bears. Fangio knows it. Um, that's why they brought him back on a two-year deal. They he knows the system inside and out. He's super smart. He can help coach up the younger guys as well. He always understands his assignments. He's not going to really uh, do anything wrong out there. He's just not going to do a lot of things that are going to make you go, wow, not a ton of impact plays. Uh, Will, when you're looking at Sam Acho, uh, what are some things that you like about him? I was pleasantly surprised when I watched film on Sam Acho in preparation for this podcast. Uh, like you mentioned, he's not really an explosive guy, especially when it comes to pass rush. And whether right or wrong, that's how we really judge a 3-4 outside linebacker because they're really responsible for that pass rush. However, when it comes to the run game, I was really pleasantly surprised, not just in setting an edge, but especially in third and short situations, Sam Acho did an amazing job of condensing the line of scrimmage and even closing down some gaps on the inside of the ball, just be on the inside of the line of scrimmage, just because he did so good of getting his shoulder into whoever was on the outside, whether that be a tight end or an offensive tackle. He just he was really good at getting under them and driving him into the line of scrimmage. That condenses space. That makes life easier for everyone. If it bounces to the outside, now he's able to go out and chase them. But if it goes to the inside, obviously that running back is looking for a hole because everything's getting smushed together. And that was something I really didn't expect from Acho going into my film study. So 
while he's not going to be someone who you want pitting his ears back to rush the quarterback, his overall ability just to be a good placeholder, give someone a blow, like I mentioned uh, earlier with Leonard Floyd, you can get him off the field for a little bit and not worry about what you're going to lose with Sam Acho out there. Yeah, good stuff there, Nacho. And moving right along, we have Isaiah Irving. Uh, he's the undrafted free agent. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. A year ago, out of San Jose State, uh, he was that preseason standout last season. Uh, he had a few sacks and a four fumble in the last two preseason contests. Uh, he was kind of a late bloomer in camp, as you will. Via the Chicago Tribune, Irving said that he has 20 more pounds of muscle in his body uh, than before his rookie year. And I think on top of that, he's five pounds lighter overall. So just to put that into comparison of how much leaner and stronger and much like the bulk he's added to his body. Um, outside linebackers coach Brandon Staley said that Irving is having an outstanding offseason. And it's also been noted that he now understands his assignment and the defense more, which I think with a year in his system, you better hope that's the case. Irving, he doesn't need to become a starter, but I think if he can find a way to maybe earn a reserve role, maybe a special teams contributor, uh, that'll surely help the Bears, maybe even his career. Um, but, B, I know your uh, bold prediction is going to come up here in a moment, but uh, I want to go over to Will first. What are uh, Irving's chances of making the active roster this time by? I know we don't know a ton about him because he had such a limited action, and even last year when he was kind of thrust into uh, the defense towards the end of the year coming off the practice squad, he seemed a little lost at times, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the cup, the few game in game snaps that he had and, and talking uh, when you and I were doing some prep work for this, you know, he, I know he had a few snaps against the Eagles to my recollection. Those were his only uh, in season snaps. He got blown off the ball. Um, he really needed to bulk up, add some add some muscle, which he did. Uh, but, you know, no one played well uh, for the Chicago Bears against the Philadelphia Eagles. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to hold that film against him. At the same time, you re- you really have to wonder uh, if if Isaiah Irving has developed some more pass rush moves because he, he's a really good speed rusher. And honestly, at this point, we've talked about you know Acho being able to be a guy who just holds the line of scrimmage, but he really he really uh, does not know how to get a, a good pass rush going. I think Isaiah Irving is someone who really struggles to hold the line of scrimmage, but if it's a third and long, like say third and 15, third and 10 and beyond, he's a guy who, if he proves himself during training camp as being able to get after the passer more than everyone else, he could really carve out a role as a situational pass rusher. And that's something that the Bears desperately need right now. So whether he really gets a good dip and rip along with the speed rush, whether he's improved his hand fighting techniques, you know, he's someone who can maybe get on the field that way. But as of right now, I have my doubts. Yeah, but uh, B, you're looking at it a little bit differently, at least from a bold prediction type of standpoint, correct? Correct. I mean, now that he's got that that in-game experience, I mean, I'm glad that Will said you can't hold that uh, Philadelphia Eagles film against him because no one played well. Uh, but he that, you know, that is in-game experience that he can take away that uh, some of these other guys on the roster – uh, the new guys can't necessarily say. So I think that gives him a leg up. Uh, we've seen him, like uh, the other Will mentioned, uh, that it's in those last two preseason games, he was really kind of 
kind of blowing us away, I guess. He was uh, playing better than the backups, but when he came in in that in-game against the Eagles, he, he looked lost, wasn't really there. So now he knows what to expect in an in-game NFL season situation. I think that's going to help him, and I think since he's bulked up 20 pounds of muscle, lost five pounds of overall weight, I think that's really, really what he needed, and I think that all that uh, said is going to give him enough uh, to get him a spot on the roster. Yeah, there you go. I mean, everyone's rooting for the kid. I mean, I know he's a, he was a fan favorite, at least towards the end of preseason last year. People talked about elevating him pretty much all uh, throughout the season when the Bears just had a hard time generating you know, any sort of you know push, any sort of rush from the outside. But, guys, moving on to John Anderson, and, yeah, I know, John Anderson. For those wondering, the Bears are listing him as an outside linebacker. I know it's, it's, it's pretty odd. Um, but he spent most of last year in a practice squad, most of his playing times in a special teams. Uh, but, yeah, they're listing him outside. He only has four tackles in uh, 20 games over the last two seasons. Not a lot uh, really understanding what to expect from him at this point, such a new position. It's kind of one of those wait-and-see kind of guys. Uh, Will, you had a pretty interesting point about why maybe the Bears moved him over to the outside. You want to share? Well, you mentioned uh, you brought this up to me, and I didn't even think about this, but Anderson doesn't have any more practice squad eligibility. They can't stash him away like they have in the previous seasons. He's been a reliable option, kind of a kind of a little bit of a worse option than Timu, but like you know, you have a reliable option in there at least. He played sparingly in 2015, and you know he was he was a stopgap player. But now that you can't stash him on the practice squad, you have to put him in the best position to get on the active roster. And at this point, like we mentioned, trying to go through if we went four and four like the Bears have in the past, he doesn't have a chance at inside linebacker. There's just no way he gets on the roster. Because like I just said, even John Timo was probably going to take a spot over him. So instead of basically you know, dooming his NFL career, they're going to let him try to adjust, make himself more versatile and enter into basically a wide open outside linebacker sweepstakes to which we said Leonard Floyd's kind of cemented. But other than that, it's kind of a wide open race for spots two, three and four, despite what we think will happen. The fact of the matter is it's really wide open for those other spots. So Anderson, I think this is really a nod to a veteran player. We're going to give you the best chance to make the roster and here's how you're going to do it. Exactly. All right, good stuff, guys. Let's go ahead and transition to the new guys on the outside. Uh, we'll begin with Aaron Lynch. He signed a one-year deal coming from San Francisco, reuniting with Vic Fangio. Uh, he had two strong seasons to begin his career. He had uh, 12 and a half sacks, um, but he had some weight issues over the last two seasons. I know he was suspended for some, uh, some substance abuse policy as well. So he recently said that you know those struggles over the last couple of seasons have really humbled him, and now he's hungrier than ever. He also mentioned that he wants to impress Vic and do what's best for him. And uh, Vic said of Aaron Lynch that he still has much to prove and he needs to become more consistent. Uh, but already, he's already finding it difficult to remain on the field. Throughout OTAs, he's already dealt with an ankle and a hamstring injury. Uh, so, of course, Aaron Lynch, when you look at him, he may be the biggest question mark and wild card at this position. So, guys, I want to know a few things here. What are your expectations for him heading into training camp? Obviously, the Bears hope and need him to become a contributor, um, but I want to know, like, how likely is it? What kind of role do you envision him having in 2018? Because, I mean, face it, he barely played for a bad 49ers team, but, again, he's only 25, so he has plenty of time, and the Bears are giving him the opportunity to turn that career around. B, I'm going to go to you first. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a bigger outside linebacker. I think he complements uh, Leonard Floyd very well, Floyd being the more speedy guy. Uh, Aaron Lynch being the bigger, stronger, bull rush type of guy, if I were to 
uh, give pass rush uh, attributes uh, to the Monsters of Midway as we're seeing them as cartoon characters now. Um, but he's also good at getting his hands up in the passing lane. And his, I'm going to call it his healthy years, his first two seasons. He had seven pass deflections. So he's got active hands as well, as well as you know being a bull rush bigger type of guy, a good compliment to Leonard Floyd. But that doesn't change the fact that my expectations for him are are low or almost non-existent. Uh, because, like you said, he, he struggled to be on the field as it is right now. And that kind of speaks volumes to me because one thing that I was doing with all these linebackers, inside and outside, was their ability, their ability, their ability. These guys have struggled to stay on the field. And right now Aaron Lynch is behind the eight ball because he's already been off the field and we're not even at training camp yet. Will, over to you. What's your analysis of an Aaron Lynch? And Aaron Lynch, I mean, when that Fangio fire was burning underneath him, he was a really good hustle player. And when you look at a hustle player like him, he's someone who you want on the field constantly. He's someone who you probably want to be in your starting lineup. And he's a guy who gets spelled rather than the guy who spells someone else because he wears down people as he plays the game. You normally hear that with running backs, but I think that's really true for Aaron Lynch as a pass rusher. He's just relentless in his pursuit of the quarterback when it's a pass rushing down and relentless for his pursuit of the ball carrier when it's a running play. And like I'm going to reference it like Brandon did back in the healthy years. That's exactly what he did. He just had relentless pursuit every single play. And that's how he got his sacks. And that's how he got his tackles for loss and his tackles in general. He doesn't do anything phenomenally well. He doesn't have an amazing first punch. He doesn't have amazing hand fighting skills, you know, any better than, you know, uh, any better than like top tier players. It's not something to marvel about. He doesn't have a great speed rush. He doesn't dip and rip. He doesn't have, you know, a spin move, but what he does is he's just relentless. And as the game goes on, that really develops. But as Brandon mentioned, the last podcast, you have to wonder with uh, injuries, would you rather have, you know, 25 plays of Aaron Lynch game for 16 games, or would you rather have, you know, let's say 10 really good games of Aaron Lynch, but then you're down one of your best pass rushers for the other six. It's a situation that you really got to weigh out. And like you say, with your expectations, it's tough to have him with a guy who has, you know, played sparingly. And when he's played, it's been pretty lousy for the last two years. Lousy again. I might be, that might be putting it nicely, but uh, all right, let's move on to Kylie Fitz. He was a sixth round pick this year out of Utah. Uh, and even though he was drafted in the sixth round, you know, Fitz may have slightly higher expectations than those typically selected in that round. At least he does for me. Uh, we've talked about his injury history back when he was drafted. You know, he had a Liz Frong injury. Uh, he also dealt with ankle and shoulder issues as well, which kind of limited his production over the last couple of seasons. But the one full year that he was healthy, Fitz had seven sacks, eight tackles for a loss, and 10 pass breakups. And he also forced four fumbles. So, of course, that's exciting. That's encouraging. That's a big reason why Ryan Pace uh, was so high in him afterwards. He talked about these injuries not being any that are going to really hinder his development in the pros. He called them, what, nicks and bruises? So, again, uh, you see the upside here with Kylie Fitz. And when you're looking at, like, the three-cone drill, I just want to point out what he did at the combine because uh, the three-cone drill is notably known as one of the best, like, projectors of uh, a decent pass rusher in the NFL. Uh, Fitz's three-cone drill time was 6.88, which is on par with both a J.J. Watt and a Joey Boza. Uh, they're exactly pretty much mirrored one another. Uh, Pace lauded Fitz for having the size-speed combination that the Bears are looking for in an outside linebacker. And when drafted, uh, he said that the uh, you know Fitz said that the Bears are going to, quote, 
get a great player out of me. So obviously fits his confidence is high, which is everything you want from a guy who, of course, he might feel a little gypped that he didn't get drafted higher. He was expecting to go a little bit higher in this draft, but he's coming here hungry, confident. It's a good combination. So guys, I want to know, uh, where does Fitz kind of like fit this season in your mind? Can he earn a spot in the rotation? Is he just a situational pass rusher at this point? Or dare I say, can he earn uh, a starting role by the time the season is over? Let's go over to B first. Yeah, I mean, his his versatility is really going to help him. I mean, he can play with his hand in the dirt. and He could be a stand-up pass rusher, and he can also play coverage. He's got great hands as far as getting to the quarterback and being a, a, a pass rusher. Uh, but again, with the durability thing, like I just mentioned with Aaron Lynch, he's only played two games in 2016 and he was in and out of games in 2017. So while while I like his confidence, while he's got a lot of things going for him, he also has the injury concern uh, going against him, which I don't know where that necessarily puts him. I don't have him making team. I have him on the practice squad. I don't have very high expectations for him. Just I think he gets beat out by other experienced guys on the team at the moment. And, Will, I know you have a differing opinion, and I know this because we've already talked about it. You're up. Oh, man, I thought you were just going to call it intuition. But, yeah, I guess you have heard it before. (laughs) So, for me, when I look at Fitz, I see that uh, you mentioned the three-cone drill. That didn't pop up in the brief film that I watched on Fitz uh, when prepping for this. But the fact that he has that athletic ability, along with the fact that when I watch film, I really like his hand fighting when he gets on there. He's really good at... You know, extending his arms, making sure that linemen can't get a a hold on him makes it really easy to defeat blocks. Now, if he combines that with that three cone speed and agility, that really makes him a dynamic pass rusher, which the Bears currently don't have. And that's why I could really see him getting into the rotation. And eventually, if you ask me if he can, if because I think he has decent enough size to be able to set an edge, if he's able to also parlay those pass rushing techniques, I could th- I could see him becoming a starter because, you know, if Aaron Lynch gets hurt, and Sam Macho wasn't getting you any any uh, any headway on pass rushing. I see Fitz as the next guy to go in, honestly. So, I I, th- I think he makes the top four personally. I, I differ with Brandon on thinking that Isaiah Irving makes the team this year, or at least doesn't you know makes the practice squad. I think that's where Irving will go. But I honestly see him getting into the rotation, and because because you know you have four guys. Fangio likes to rotate the guys in. If he's on the squad, he's going to be rotated in. I don't see a way around that. Whoever makes this roster will be rotated into each and every game if I had to if I had to speculate. But I do see Fitz in this rotation and eventually starting. Thanks, Will. You definitely have to speculate. It's the middle of June. But uh, all right, we have three more guys to talk about. We're going to kind of just lump them together. We have Elijah Norris. He's an undrafted free agent out of Shepard, so he's a, definitely a small school prospect. Uh, you have Andrew Trimbetti. He's an undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame where he played defensive end, but the Bears are listing him as a linebacker, so it's safe to assume that's going to be on the outside. And he does only have two and a half career sacks uh, throughout his time in college. And then you have uh, Kasim Adebali. Uh, he was recently signed like within a week. Uh, he entered the league in 2014 as an undrafted free agent out of Boston College. Uh, he was signed by the Saints. That's when Ryan Pace was there, so there's the connection if you're looking for it. And his, he has eight career sacks and a forced fumble. And his best season was 2015 where he was able to notch five sacks. Guys, looking at all three of those players, of course, they're more camp bodies, people who are just there, uh, see what you can get out of them. Anything to expect from those three or anything you want to mention about these three players? B? Yeah, if you're looking for a dark horse guy to make the roster, I mean, I, I do think all three of these guys are just camp bodies, but if you're looking for a dark horse guy to make make the squad, it's going to be uh, Kasim Edabali because he's 
he's been reliable. He played all 16 games uh, in three of the four seasons, and last year was the only one where he didn't get all 16 games. So he's he's a reliable guy that I think that may end up getting him a spot on the roster if you're looking for a, a dark horse pick, if you will. All right. There you go. B, Will, over to you. On the first recording, you didn't have anything to share. Is that still the same case? I cannot say. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. I have been bestowed any uh, divine wisdom since our last recording, so I believe <laughs> believe my opinion still stands. They are camp bodies in my eyes. Of course, in a wide-open competition, you can always be surprised, but as of this point, without seeing any, uh, any time at training camp, I will believe these guys are camp bodies until they prove me otherwise. Perfect. Works for me. So last season, just like the inside linebackers, the Bears had four outside guys on their final roster. Leonard Floyd is the obvious starter, and with the money guaranteed Aaron Lynch, I think it's safe to assume he'll be on the team as well, especially because Vic Fangio seems pretty poised to give him that second chance. But guys, I believe we've all tipped our hands here a little bit, but who are the other two? What's your outside linebacker rotation looking like come week one? And I'm going to go to Brandon here first. Yeah, I've got Leonard Floyd and Isaiah Irving rotating on one side, and then I also have Sam Acho and... Why am I forgetting the other name? Aaron Lynch. Lynch. There you go. Aaron Lynch. Yep. See, it's okay. low I expectations. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what happens when you just don't have the expectations or you forget who it is. So, I mean, it happens. We've been, again, we're talking almost <laughs> for like two and a half, three hours now. We're on a roll. But, uh, all right. So, for me, of course, I have Sam Macho. I have Kylie Fitz uh, being the backups. And my starter is going to be Aaron Lynch and Leonard Floyd. Uh, I think that's going to be your best four coming out of camp unless some divine intervention happens and uh, Kwiatkowski ends up switching positions and the whole alteration that would ensue from that. But no, uh, as of right now, I think those are going to be my four. I think that's a safe assumption, uh, actually. And, Will, you're in agreement, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, divine intervention has not changed my picks either from this uh, from this episode from last. So, yep, I agree. Um, I have uh, Leonard Floyd and Fitz changing out instead of, uh, instead of Isaiah Irving and then uh, exactly Ooh. like Will on the other side. I have... Uh, I have, gosh, now I'm forgetting names too, Aaron Lynch and Sam Macho. There we go. If fatigue is running strong, our motors are dipping. So We need the Fangio fire. The coals are running running low. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for the player-by-player breakdowns. Now it's time to take a look at the big picture, make some projections, predictions, and more. And I'll begin with uh, Danny Trevathan. Something he said uh, during OTAs kind of struck me. You said that the unit, the linebackers, they need to make more plays, big-time plays, turnovers, getting in there and getting tackles for a loss, sacking the quarterback, and in addition to just having more fun. Will, I want to go to you for this one. Uh, do you think that the linebackers are poised to do what Trevathan is hoping for here? Absolutely. I mean, I think this has been a team-wide message for years now. The Bears have really struggled in creating turnovers and creating plays. I think the linebackers, especially, you know, the middle guys between uh, Trevathan and now Roquan Smith, I really think they have a chip on their shoulder to really change that. And they want to be the ones that change that in the defense, provided I think the secondary has uh, has a little chip on their shoulder to, to 
also be the ones that really create that change. But I think the linebackers, it'll be a little fun competition within the defense over who creates the most turnovers. I really see a lot of upside, especially with the inside guys between Trevathan and Roquan Smith. We'll see if the outside guys between Floyd and I'll just say company uh, can step up and also create some havoc from the outside linebacker spots as well. But inside, I really can see some good things, whether that be some picks across the middle or whether that be creating forced fumbles um, in the run game. Yeah, there we go. Floyd and co. I like it. All right. So, Bree, I'm going to go over to you. I want to know who's going to be the MVB of the linebackers. Oh, the first recording we did inside and out, but we all found out we'd all agree on Leonard Floyd being the MVB of the outside linebackers. What? Right. I, I think I think Floyd and safe, company. I think most Bears fans would agree with that assessment. So I don't think we need to, you know, beat the dead horse there. But uh, who's going to be your MVB of the inside guys? Uh, my MVB of the inside guys is going to be Danny Trevathan because he's he needs to become that pronounced leader on the defense. And I think that he can step up and do it. And his play is going to allow him to set an example that we already know he could play to a, a very high level. And I just think that all that combined is going to lead him to be MVB. All right, and Will, over to you for your MVB of the inside backers. I'm going to go with Roquan Smith, and while I completely agree with uh, Brandon that I think Trevathan, if you went through the film, probably deserves that MVP spot, but if you were to look at it from just highlight perspectives, I think Roquan Smith is going to be the guy that snags more of those explosive plays, creates more of those plays in the backfield, just because he has such an amazing trigger and snap off the ball. I think he finds himself in the backfield with the running back most often, and I think he'll snag a couple picks that really uh, really makes an impression in people's minds. I like it. I'm going with Roquan Smith here as well. Um, I think that uh, you know he's going to make Danny Trevathan even better. And you know MVB being valuable is more than just making big plays, more than just making those uh, impactful moments, those highlights. But even making those guys around you better is a reason uh, to be valuable and valued. And that's why I'm going to give it to Roquan Smith. All right, next up, guys. What are you going to be paying attention to the most when it comes to linebackers at training camp? And I have a list of three. It is how quickly Roquan Smith starts taking the majority of those first team reps. I want to note that. Secondly, uh, the outside linebacker rotation. Who's going to be making noise at that position? And lastly, uh, whether or not they do toy with the idea of Kwiatkowski on the outside linebacker. I think that's going to be a, an interesting one to watch, especially if he does lose that starting job early and they have an entire training camp, an entire preseason to kind of tinker with the idea uh, B over to you anything you'll be watching I think outside linebacker is the hottest spot for competition I'm interested to see who lands spots two through four on the depth chart what about you will I think going off of that a little bit more I'm really interested in one-on-one pass rush drills I really want to see and especially with guys like Acho and Lynch I mean these are guys who I think like we mentioned earlier they kind of have a spot unless they lose it you know, obviously it's a wide open competition, but I mean, if the if the competition were to end before it started, uh, I think those would be the guys who, you know, comfortably make it in spots two and three. So I'm really interested to see in those one on one drills, how creative do they get? How much how much do they stretch outside the box with their pass rush moves? Do they really try, you know, swim moves or spins or, you know, try to really get a good dip and rip? I really want to see if they're going to go outside the box with those moves. Yeah, exactly. That'd be really fun to watch. I always like when they do the positional drills and you can kind of like walk around, kind of pick outside linebacker might be a fun one to watch. But of course, I think all the eyes might be on the offense. Just spoiler alert. Um, So looking at the linebackers, let's go ahead and make some bold predictions. B, you already gave yours earlier when you said Isaiah Irving is going to make this roster. So I'm going to go over to Will for his bold prediction. Kylie Fitz is a starter by week nine. 
I like it. And I'm wow. gonna, I'm going to follow you up here because my bold prediction, um, I was looking into this. No player drafted in the sixth round or later has ever recorded more than eight sacks in his rookie year. I think Kylie Fitz is going to become the first with eight and a half. So he'll lead that category by the end of the season. I mean, if he's starting by week nine, I think that will definitely has a strong chance to come into fruition. All right, guys. Lastly, I want to just go ahead and go through some uh, statistical categories. I want you to tell me who's going to lead the linebackers in them. And B, I'm going to go over to you. Who is going to lead the linebackers in tackles? Danny Trevathan. All right. Will, over to you. Tackles for a loss. Mentioned it earlier when we were talking about our MVP. I think Roquan Smith makes those splash plays in the backfield. I see Trevathan as a guy who really makes a lot of good plays between zero and four yards. Um, But I see Roquan Smith maybe making those plays in the backfield a little bit more often. So there you have it. There I have it. All right, B, over to you. I'm going to give you sacks. Sacks, I think it has to be Leonard Floyd uh, without the company. I think it is just Leonard Floyd with sacks. (laughs) I I don't know that he necessarily gets 10 sacks on the year, but he's going to lead the team, at least outside linebackers in sacks. All right, Will. Going back and forth here like a teeter-totter. Uh, forced fumbles. Forced fumbles. Um, I, I think I'm going to give this one to uh, Danny Trevathan. I think his uh, veteran uh, leadership and you know just being around uh, the game long enough, you eventually get more comfortable with trying to strip the ball. I think there will be a lot more situations where running backs are tied up and he's going to have a free shot at the ball. I think he's going to lead that statistical category this year. I like it. And right back to you, Will. Pass breakups, PBUs. Pass breakups, I'm going to give that one to Floyd as well. I think he is a really solid cover guy. That's not something we talked about a lot in here because we were busy trashing on how he hasn't been quite very explosive uh, in the last year. But, you know, I guess we'll give him a little bit of praise now. I think he's an underrated pass cover guy. Um, That's mostly because, you know, you're expecting him to be a pass rusher when you draft him, you know, in the first round. As a pass rusher, you you want him to be going after the quarterback, but he's a very good cover guy. I think uh, you'll be getting more pressure with guys like Hicks not being so exhausted and guys like Roquan Smith being a much better blitzer. I think Fangio can get a little bit more creative, and uh, Floyd might get some cheap ones. All right. I mean, as long as he's leading, you'll be right at the end of the season. And, Brandon, uh, you have the last one. I'm going to give you interceptions. Interceptions. I think Danny Trevathan leads the team in interceptions for linebackers in 2018 perfect all right guys well you two i just want to take a moment and thank you for uh doing the show twice tonight i know it wasn't ideal i know we didn't want to do this two times by but i mean honestly i think the second show went really well i think uh fans are gonna really like this recording but to the both of you i know we took up the majority of your evening well it's one of your few days off throughout your internship but uh at least evenings off but i want to just uh, say thank you guys both uh for uh kind of sticking through this and uh, coming together for it thank you not yeah, a problem. Absolutely. Not awesome. a problem. I mean, we got we got to update the fans, right? That's exactly. We couldn't let them down. We couldn't let them down. Couldn't skip a position, even though our uh, software uh, really wanted us to. But uh, we definitely <laughs> persevered. And for those listening right now on YouTube, because you don't have the video aspect, I want to just thank you for your patience. Thank you for those who reached out about the technical difficulties. I wish I would have saw them during the first recording, so we could have just stopped and started over. Uh, but I want to appreciate your patience. We'll definitely try the film here in the future again soon once uh, we make sure all the hiccups are kind of, you know, all the kinks are kind of ironed out. But, yes, uh, thank you for your patience. I know you wanted to watch the show uh, probably a little bit earlier. So, again, uh, just thanks to you. And thanks for our podcast listeners. Honestly, I say it every show, no matter where you are, how you listen, how you watch, how you consume our show, uh, we really appreciate each and every one of you. You know, we're the Bears brothers, but together we're all one big Bears family. Uh, we've been doing the show for a few seasons 
and it finally seems like this is the time to be optimistic. You know, we tried our best in the past. Uh, we got burned, but I don't think we're going to get burned this time. So definitely don't be afraid uh, to feel optimistic, even if the pairs are lacking in the pass rush department with their outside linebackers. But we'll figure that out. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, if you like the show, uh, let us know by reviewing the show on iTunes or Apple Podcast. We're going to be back next week with our defensive line preview. I'll leave you with two questions to ponder uh, while we're on this break. Will Akeem Hicks finally get much-deserved recognition? And secondly, and maybe more importantly, does it even matter? We're going to talk about that and, of course, a whole heck of a lot more. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.